Uh, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? And thank you. Thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Drop. And this is a special episode for me because the gentleman sitting across the table from uh, me, we've been friends, I don't know, 20, 30 years. We've been uh, in the same circles of people for a very long time, but we rarely get a chance to sit down and just talk. I mean, last time I saw Amato, I believe it was Black Christmas. We sat down, shot the breeze, told each other how cool we are, and that was. then we got up and walked away and did our thing. And so when I invited him to come on the show, and he finally is like, let me check my schedule, I do this, I do that, I was blown away by all the other stuff he does. So you're going to learn about that today on this episode of The Drop-In. But before we get into that, I want to say thank you. I always say thank you. I thank you guys a lot. You spend an hour with me uh, as often as you do. Hopefully, you're listening daily to past episodes, getting a little bit of uh, some fired upness that our guests bring. But you spend an hour, and I don't take that lightly. The one thing, you can make more money and you can make more friends, but you can't make more time. So, thank you so much for spending an hour with me as often as you do. This show has been amazing. Amazing to me how many people reach out from across the globe and message me and say, I heard the episode with uh, maybe whoever, I don't even know, Kurt David, the first episode we ever did, maybe the one with Mike uh, Leslie, the third episode we ever did, maybe it was the dog trainer lady, maybe it was J.R. Adams, the stuntman, maybe it was Leah Stefanski, the local entrepreneur from the Down River area. I don't know which one will resonate with you, but there is one out there. There's one that will resonate with anybody on this planet, and that has been my goal since starting on April 18th of last year. That was the first show we aired, and my goal is to bring you different styles of guests each week that bring something different to the table that you can relate to. So with that, I want to introduce you guys to a great friend of mine. I'm stoked he took the time to come out and spend an hour with us here in the NRM studios, Mr. Amato Guadarrama. Amato, dude, thank you so much for being oh, here, man. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> You know, I just never, I've never done anything like this, but I listen to, I listen to podcasts all the time and, you know, in the car, listen on the way here, took forever to get here, but I made it. Yeah. Traffic gets a little crazy coming from our side of middle, town. Middle, middle, middle of the drive. I get a text. I look over a text from my wife. She's like, if that was you on Maylon, your, your, your headlights out. So the whole time I'm thinking, oh man. I worry about my headlight. My headlight. I'm driving and I'm looking at, looking at. I'm trying to find a dark car to pull up behind so that so I can see the reflection to see my lights. And then finally I get, I get here and I'm like, go look at my car. No, they're fine. So it wasn't you, luckily. Yeah. 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 You but, know, when you're in a hurry, it seems like things come up and then yep. you start stressing about things that probably 80 percent of things we stress about never happen. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's not. Not worth it. Not well, worth the stress. I'm glad you're not sitting on the side of Southfield pulled over for one headlight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you. I want to ask you, I know we're going to get into all the different bands and the devious ones and everything, but you guys are coming off a pretty amazing show with uh, punk rock icons, The Addicts, from a couple days ago. Can you talk about that experience, man? Oh, yeah. Man? That was great. Uh, so, The Addicts uh, originally were supposed to come through in the summer. And uh, back then we were trying to get on the bill, and a lot of a lot of times it seems like a lot of those bands, especially like when they come through places like St Andrews or what have you, uh, they don't they have like a, you know no locals, no locals until 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 they realize they need some locals on there to get to get people to come, you know more people to come. So the show got uh, postponed, moved over to uh, a couple of days ago in January, 
I uh, ran into my friend Anthony, uh, at, uh, who works at St. Andrews. Asked him, I'm like, hey, what do you know about the Attic Show? Like, do you know if they're, if they're needing locals? Like, you know, we'd really like to get on there. He uh, he he did some uh, he worked some of his magic. Uh, managed to get us on there. We didn't know we didn't know we were on it for sure until uh, Sunday. So wow. So Sunday, you know, and I we we had gotten the, the word that uh, that you know we were uh, that there's a chance we'd be on there. So I'm relaying with my bandmates, and they're you know Eric is losing his mind. That's yeah. Like, that's like one of his all time favorite bands. So every couple times a day between Friday and and uh, Sunday, I'm getting t- you hear anything? You hear anything? You hear anything? Like dude. Calm, you know, calm down, man. You know, if we get it, we got it. If we don't, you know, whatever, we'll still go. Because they even already bought tickets to go see the show. So, um, so yeah, Sunday comes. Uh, we get there, load in. Uh, got to meet a couple of the guys in the attics. They were pretty nice, laid back. They said they watched us play, watched us play a couple songs. I didn't realize that I met a monkey, the singer, Earlier in the day, because he didn't have his face paint on. Right, I wouldn't recognize yeah. him. Yeah, so so I met him earlier, and then I, I I realized he was you know he he was who he was. I was like, oh okay, yeah, I remember you from earlier. Took a picture, thanked him, you know, thanked him for having us on. And it was also cool because we also had uh, the Lippies played from Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. who are friends of ours and who are a great band in in, in their own right. So it was it was cool to get to play a show with this band. Along with some friends of ours. Yeah, that and, uh, is real cool. Yeah. The Lippies are getting, uh, you know, they're they're creating a pretty good following. Yeah. You guys are are getting a, a really great following, and what a what a great way to segue into the Attics. Yeah, yeah. definitely, dude. Definitely. What a cool deal, man. Well, yeah. let's dive in where we always do here in the drop in. I want to talk about how it was growing up. You grew up uh, not too far from me in the Down River area. How was it for you growing up, Amato? It was good, man. It was like uh, basic Down River suburban life. Um, you know, we we came uh we came in from uh my grandfather moved us uh well let's let me go back a little bit when I, when we were when my when my folks were married we lived uh we lived in Mexico we were down there for a few years uh they they had split up uh my mom and and my brother and I came back we lived with my uh with my grandparents uh who lived in Delray in the, the Delray neighborhood so we were there for some time. And I mean, it was getting, you know, it was around the time it was starting to get kind of, kind of rough there. Like, it did get a bit like dicey really, like down really, there. I mean, and my grand, my grandfather realized that and didn't want, want us growing up there. So he went and uh, got a house in Allen Park. And we moved to Allen Park. So we were there. It's he, they still live at the same house. We actually live uh, about a half block from uh, where they are, where they are. So I see them quite often. They're still around. It's pretty cool. Um, but it was a you know, basic you know, little league baseball, comic books, baseball cards, uh, watching wrestling on Saturday mornings, watching cartoons, eating crappy cereal, yeah, you know, just uh, the 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 run of the mill suburban life. Who was your favorite wrestler? As a kid? Yeah. The Junkyard Dog. Okay. See, I met the Junkyard Dog in an airport in Texas. Ironically, we were when I was 17. My dad was a big wrestling guy. I yeah. was never huge into it, but uh, I always liked Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Uh-huh. I liked the British Bulldogs yep. from that era yep. of time. But That's about the same time when I started watching it. Yeah, it was Would incredible. Like early, mid-80s. Yep. Yeah. Uh, WrestleMania three. we were there. My dad yeah. had to see Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. How far away were you? 
I don't even remember. Yeah. I don't even know if we could see the ring. I mean, that was... It was it, a big place. Yeah, yeah but uh, I am very familiar. And I again, at 17, I took all my graduation money, paid for me and a couple buddies to fly to Texas to skate a big vert ramp, and we ran into the JYD in the awesome. airport How and the Iron Sheik. J- Junkyard Dog was awesome. Yeah. Even the Sheik was awesome. I I'm met like, the Sheik uh, probably in the 90s. He yeah. was really cool. Yeah, really just cool. laid just, back. I'm yeah. like, you got those boots in that bag? Like, I want to see if he had the boots, you know? And uh, it was it was a very cool experience. Nice. Both nice, guys nice. were super rad. Awesome. And uh, so comics, you're a comic guy, like? I mean, I read them, man. Like, I didn't. It wasn't so. So here's the thing. When uh, when my mom, when we were kids, my mom worked at uh at WDIV at Channel Four. Ah. And she somehow uh became friends with this guy named uh, Dennis Fairchild. Who was on the TV show The Electric Company? Do you remember that? Yeah, it was yeah. like the kind of more grown-up Sesame Street. Yeah, and he played Spider-Man. No on way. The Electric Company. So he she, he got to they got to become friends, and he knew that uh, she had two uh, two kids, and because of his work, he would get tons of free comic books. So a couple times a year, my mom would come home from work with grocery bags filled with, filled with comic books that he would get from uh, like comic distributors. So we, I was I was more into the stories. I wasn't like a collector per se. Like I don't have I to this day when I go buy a comic book, I just buy it to read it. And then maybe I put it away. I'll, I'll try to take it a little bit better care than I did as a kid cuz looking back now there's some there's some there's some uh, issues there that uh probably uh should have taken taken a lot better care of. Right, right. Uh, and see, I'm the opposite. I was a. I would buy comics because I I draw. Mm-hmm. So I bought them for the artwork, and the stories came like second, third, fourth down right. down the way. But uh, comics were. It was just cool. It was yeah. another world, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. it's a. Yeah, I don't know. Comics. It's interesting because several of my guests that have been in here, in the even the punk rock skateboard world kind of thing. The, they always have a, a comic story. I had a gentleman yeah. named Phil Stone, and he draws comics. He was amazing. But um, it's just something, I think, uh, again, escaping reality a little bit. Yeah. The artwork, yeah. the anything is possible yeah. kind of thing. And I, I just brought up punk rock. For me, I was 12, 13 years old. I started riding a skateboard, and I talked to my cousin in California, and he said, you ever heard of the Dead Kennedys? And I said, no. And I immediately went and found the Dead Kennedys at, like, uh, the record exchange or something, and nice. that was my introduction to the punk rock world. How was how were you introduced to that uh, music? So when I was uh, about the same age, maybe 12, 13, I was really into Billy Idol. So I was had every Billy Idol tape, and then there, there was one I saw at a, at the store, and it was Billy Idol. It was one side. It was uh, it was an EP called Don't Stop. So the one side had music, and the other side had an interview. And in in the interview, he's talking about uh, being in the band Generation X, and talking about the Sex Pistols. And it's immediately I'm like, oh, I got to check these bands out. So I got on my bike, rode it over to Harmony House. Found the Sex Pistols tape at Harmony House. Yeah, no way. Yeah, the the Harmony House had had a pretty like looking back, they had a pretty uh solid uh like selection of like of like of like punk uh, tapes. That's pretty cool because they were like the chain store. A little they were bit. the chain store, but they were like the local chain store. Yeah. It wasn't like they weren't like a uh, like Musicland or Sam Goody. Right. It was it was Michigan based, and they seemed to have a little bit better uh selection than than the other than like the ones at the mall. So listen to it, and I can all I can remember being in my basement at my grandma's house, and uh, putting on uh, putting on the, the pistols, and it was me and my brother, and uh, I forget what song I think it was Bodies, and my brother looks and he looks horrified, and he said something like, 
you know, I don't think we should be listening to this. And from there, I was hooked. Your brother older or younger? He's younger. Oh, he's younger. Yeah. I, uh, uh, the other... Uh, he's, a, ba- he's a big hip-hop guy, too. Like, oh, well. Yeah, so it's funny. Like, it, 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 it kind of, Because before then, we were both into, like, Run DMC and BC Boys, and it started creeping away towards that. He went, he went in one direction, I went in another direction. But, yeah. But that, in that era... They were like hand in hand, though. They our, really were. Our half pipe, uh, at the time we had, there was one ramp, and one side said run DMC, and the other side said the circle jerks. You know, yeah. it was like, it was it was yeah. the oh, same totally. kind of community. Totally. And you could totally. fit it's together. Outsiders. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I had a cassette tape, I, I, talking about being introduced to punk rock, I had a cassette tape, and it had no label on it, mm-hmm. and I listened to it all the time, and I, I'm like, I don't even know who this is, and I'm just listening to it. What well, was the Buzzcocks? And I happened to go to the record exchange, and I'm looking at, you know, something new to listen to, and I noticed some of the titles of the songs. I'm like, it's the Buzzcocks. That's who I love. That's I didn't funny. even know who That's I awesome. liked, but I couldn't stop listening to right. it, you know? And, and it was such a great time in music. Because there were so many new bands, bands you had never heard of, bands that may have been around for 10 years, and you'd never heard of them, so it was brand new to us, yeah, you know? Yeah, Any other bands really blow your mind or really influence you at that time? At that time, it would have been, like uh, like I said, the Pistols, and then later, like, Black Flag, and uh, Circle Jerks, and Buzzcocks, all like the, all like the uh, I don't I don't want to say, like, starter bands, but they were, like, the, among the more well-known ones. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, yeah, yeah, but Descendants, Descendants was was one. Yeah. And I totally, you know, related four-eyed dude, you know, guys singing about four-eyed stuff. Yeah, uh, Descendants. Uh, my one of my friends in school's older brother, uh, uh, he uh, introduced me to like Descendants and All and Dagnasty. So yeah. Yeah, All is amazing. I think so. Some a uh, friend of ours, uh, Jeff Scroggs, just put up an image of a uh, Pummel. That album. Okay, and yeah, I, I saw it. I love that. I didn't album. realize it was on, on vinyl. Yeah, I I love. I've, I had that CD. I still own that CD. It's one I, think I never I gave away. I remember I met them. Uh, they did an in store when I worked at uh, Desirable Discs. They did an in store there for Pummel, and uh, they were super nice guys. Um, Bill's a character. Really, I've never met yeah, him. I never very... even got to see him live. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, there was a time where they came through. Like, they came through all the time, and everyone went to see them. Because it was the closest you're going to get at the time to seeing Descendants. Right, right. And then Descendants reformed, and then all would come back through, and it wasn't as many people. It was like, you know, they everyone got what they wanted. But so, so you know, Descendants, it, it, it would kind of bum me out because Descendants are all were, uh, to me, just, you know, just as good, man. Just I like their style from a drumming perspective. I like playing to their stuff uh-huh. versus playing, like, along with the Descendants Which stuff. is so weird because it's the same dude. Yeah, but he yeah. plays totally different drums. Yeah. It's totally different. I mean, I don't know. It's not straight 4-4. Four, four. He's got some interesting, mm-hmm. intricate things going on, especially on that Pummel record. Yeah, I mean, those guys are musicians, man, like straight up. Like, I don't know what, any other way to, like, describe them. But, yeah, those guys. And those guys have played with each other all their lives, too. Like They so don't even have to think about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Like, telepathy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And, and you know, that time uh, in your life and my life, it, as you got into music, things came with that. Uh, for me, skateboarding and music went right together. And then I didn't start playing my drums till I was 18, got into college. Mm-hmm. But for you, it sort of sounds like it all came together about the same time. More or less. Um, I got my first guitar, I, and it's funny, I traded in my trumpet 
from a school band. I was in like in elementary school and through middle school, I was in school band. I didn't really, I wasn't much interested in it anymore. But I really, really wanted to learn guitar, so I went to a pawn shop, trade, able to get a trade, a straight trade for this clunker guitar, and uh, taught myself. Uh, bought one of those Mel Bay books, tried to learn that, <coughs> and then one day my cousin, um, my cousin came over and showed me how to do power chords, bar chords. Taught me how to play I Want to Be Your Dog. Ah, Iggy and that Pop. Was, that was my one and only guitar lesson, and I've been more or less faking it since then. Like Faking it. Faking, faking it. it. Playing play, play Chuck Berry licks and like and, and bar chords. and Faking yeah. it. That's a, that's a funny way to put it, because uh, when I picked up drums, I had one lesson, my cousin, same mm-hmm. kind of thing. He's like, here's what you do. We sat down for an hour, and then from there, it was just trying to emulate you know, yeah. at the time, I was emulating Nirvana because it was simple, mm-hmm. and David Grohl was a good drummer, good pocket drummer, and that's where I started. And then it was just trying to copy. That's what it was. When, you, when I heard the, how to do that chord and move it around, you figured out how – because the stuff I was listening to is not, you know, it's not rocket science. It's, you know, it's it, – it, and, and figure it out, and then, the you know, the longer you do it, you just you get better at it. Just like you do anything, man, the more – the more you do it, the better you're going to be at it. Yeah. And we're, what, about 14, 15 years old when you got your first guitar? I would say, I, I, I'm going to say about 14. Okay. About 14, yeah. So just getting ready to get into high school, a really influential. I think I was already in high school. Yeah, I think yeah. I started ninth grade at 14. Okay, I yeah, I think I would have been in ninth grade. Ninth, yeah, yeah, I think it was ninth grade. Now, um, you know, in Riverview, where I lived, uh, we're about. You know, we're talking about an area 20 minutes south of Detroit, halfway between Detroit and Ohio is where we both grew up. And in 86, 87, there wasn't skateboarders everywhere. It wasn't cool. Punk rock was not cool. So it was myself and like three other dudes. In your school, was it very similar? Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't very popular. Um, I went to high school around the time Nirvana hit, too, though. So it, it started to... It started to uh, it started to get a little more, a little more accepting, I guess. Um, you know, he still got picked on and everything, but not got picked on less. Uh, we'll say like eleventh grade than than I would have been like in ninth grade. Oh, hundred percent. But hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Nirvana and that whole like Seattle scene and things. It sort of made. It was almost like everybody was two years behind what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And and so if I was cuffing my pants and wearing a hip sack or something and everybody riddled me for it, two years later they were all doing it. Right, right. You know, and, right. and you probably experienced a lot of the same things. Oh, man, I would walk to, I had school with a full head of bright red hair and, you know, get clowned on that. And then, you know, now – now I look at like now I look at like like I go, go take my kids to school. My kids got a, a, a little uh, streak of hair, red hair. But I see little kids with like bright color. I'm like, wow! Like I used to have to sneak over, you know, sneak into the basement and do it with, you know, and hope that my folks weren't gonna be too mad. And uh, it's just funny how stuff how stuff changes like that. Completely, you know. We I had a friend named Tony Weeks, and his mom owned a beauty shop. And so before school, we'd sit in the beauty shop. He had a mohawk. We'd do his mohawk. We'd put temporary color in our hair. We'd show up to the football games with our hair school color. Yeah. We're still into it. We're just doing it a little bit different way, you know. And uh, now it's almost anything goes. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's like the new norm, in a way. Completely. Yeah. Completely. I just got. I just was thinking too. Like this here, I've had this since I was sixteen. I went to some beauty shop, some sketchy beauty shop on a because you said beauty shop, some sketchy beauty shop in Lincoln Park, and convinced that the lady I was eighteen, and uh, she took the piercing gun, 
And I remember we got it, got it done. We went to a movie. We went to Hellraiser three, and then I had to sneak in the sneak in the house and walk walk by my mom without without this side showing. So I'm like backing into the doorway, and it went in my room. And I don't think I left my room that weekend. And then finally she figured out she had that mom sense that something was going on. So she had to see it and everything. And luck luckily I figured out a way to get her to let me keep it. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's been there ever since. So it's a different. It's the only world. piercing I own, and the only piercing I have too. Well, I I had a I couldn't find anybody. I wanted my nipples pierced, and I had a buddy do it in a basement. Like I'm like I found this needle, dude. It'll work, and and that's how we did it. Yeah. Nobody needle would pierce. with a cork. Yeah, nobody yeah. would pierce nipples. Right. I think I went down some clothing store maybe in Royal Oak and found a nip uh, a needle. Yeah. Yep, like noir leather or something like that. Yep, yep. Yeah, because then like you had to you had to search it out. It wasn't a it wasn't as accessible. Like you had to search it out. You had to go like, especially if you weren't uh, eighteen. Like yeah, there's nobody who was gonna do it. Yeah. And the and a lot of the people that would have done it are probably people you don't want to do it because they probably don't know what they're doing, and you know they're just sketchy. It's just just a sketchy uh like yeah the late like the lady in, at the beauty shop man. What was she thinking? What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> what were we anybody right, thinking? Right, right, right. I mean, that's... It's, and you bring up a great point. Uh, at that time, if you saw somebody with a black flag shirt on, it was like an instant brotherhood because oh, yeah. you knew they had to search yeah. it out. Yeah. It was a wonderful time to really yeah, be I, into I brought, that. I brought that. That's come up in, the in like, the van, like, on tour. That's come up in the van to see somebody at a, at, a, at a rest stop with, like, pink hair or something and be like, you know, like, in the day, like... We would have been a good chance that that person would have been at the at the show. Um, instead, they're you know bumping you out of the way to get the you know get, get some smokes or something in in line. But uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's it, it was it was it was it was real magical in that in that way. And, or if uh, you saw Van shoes or a yep, pair of Doc Martens, you knew that they couldn't just go to the corner or go to the mall and buy that, that they had to probably order it and wait two and a half, three, four months, right. whatever. And it was like an instant bond. Yeah, yeah. And a great time. Great time in skateboard music. I mean, I'm stoked that I was born when I was and got to experience yeah. that. Yeah, and I, I think about it, and I, I got friends who are a lot older, and they tell me how it was then, and it's like I'm happy that I got to at least catch, you know, a tail end of, of, of that, of that you know, that kind of, that, that time. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Where nowadays everything is pretty much at your at your fingertips, and you know, I can order I can I order these shoes off my phone, you know, I order records off my phone. It's uh it, it and don't get me wrong, it's great, but it, that a little bit of that uh little bit of that magic, I guess, is not. And you hear motorcycle guys, you know, I have some friends who are real motorcycle guys. I'm not, and they talk about that the same way like in the maybe the 80s 90s if they needed a part they would go to a swap meet and they'd meet a dude who might have a motorcycle the same year as theirs and find Mm -hmm. like the journey to get that part and i can it resonated with me because with skateboarding with punk rock you couldn't just go to any corner store there might be a shop somewhere down the road that you heard from somebody and you got to get your mom or dad to drive you or your buddy to take you it might or it may or may not be there i I remember i had to uh uh, one year, uh, it was a year after I got my first job and I got my tax returns. I didn't didn't realize it was a thing, so I get like I, my tax returns. I think I got like hundred fifty dollars or something. I convinced my stepdad to uh, drive me to Windsor so I could get some docks because wow. Windsor because because the exchange rate <laughs> like it, the, they were a lot cheaper to us. So I, I felt like such I was I felt so great like I had these 
brand new Doc Martin boots that only paid eighty dollars for. But whereas whereas you had to go here, like you had to go to Noir, you had to go to like uh, Chester Boot Shop or like remember that uh, at the mall, the Wild Pair. Oh yeah, yeah, Wild Pair. That was the only places I knew of that had them, or you had to mail away for them. And then you you weren't sure if they were going to fit anyway. Yeah, you know, my fit, first or pair, if they were going to show up. Yeah, my first pair of Docs I bought at Noir Leather. It was the same kind of thing. You know, I saved up for probably a year, and I still have those to this day. Do you? I, I went to get them resold about ten years ago, oh, and um, and I still wear the same Docs, the first and only only pair I ever bought. Wow. And uh, and they still hold up pretty good. But nice. it, it is true. You had to search it out and and. There was then you had a story to go with whatever it was record T-shirt skateboard absolutely, pair of man. shoes and absolutely. speaking of shoes I know it's not in the mix here but you have a heck of a shoe collection dude you and your creepers are out of control yeah I, I just my favorite kind of shoe yeah how many pairs of creepers do you own oh dude let me get, let me do the head count so I just got another pair a couple weeks ago I know I saw you post it up but I'm like how many pairs of shoes does the motto have man. It's got to be like six or seven. Yeah. yeah, and they are all so rad, like so custom and, and just good stuff. Yeah, I I, had, I got pair, I got married in, in, a, in a pair of white ones. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't wear them anymore because they're so old. The uh, the soles started dry rotting, so they're falling apart. But I still, can't, I still keep them. Like, you know, it's, you know, I got married in them. Yeah, it's so. probably, it's sort of a special day. Oh, yeah. A little yeah. bit. I, you know, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> what I remember, yeah. <laughs> I would think so, too. But let's back... <coughs> Excuse me. I cannot shake this cold. I apologize to you guys. I just can't shake it. I'm trying, trying to get over it, but I apologize to you guys. I want to back up a little bit because you start playing guitar. You're in your first band at 17? Yeah. Um, I was in like a band with some friends. Um, we weren't together very long. Um, I think we did a couple shows. We we played a couple of matinees at Blondie's. Cool. Um, the band was called Swisher Push, and the the, the name was, was the Swisher Journal uh, Cakes. And it's, you know, totally like teenager, you know, dumb kid band, having a lot of fun. Uh, one, of my, my, one of my best friends in the world is, uh, was in that band. And to this day, you know, I still talk to him all the time. Um, you know, from there, I started uh, hanging out with uh, like dudes like Down River dudes like, like Abbott, mm-hmm. like Brian Abbott and Dolson. And, you know, skateboarding with them and hanging out and, you know, drinking 40s and just causing havoc. And we started doing a band. Uh, and that band was called the Catfish, <coughs> and we played around for a good couple of years. You guys were uh, actually uh, everybody talked about Catfish. Yeah, I everybody. feel I feel like a lot of people like that. I, I not to you know put it over or put us over more than we should, but like the legend of the band kind of precedes you know the band because we you know we we weren't around very long. We didn't play a lot of. Big shows, but it, but you still come up in like, conversation yeah, today. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I'm you know pretty proud of that. Um, I always get people asking like, Are "You guys gonna do a uh, you know reunion show?" I was like, "No, dude. Like, that's, you're saying about the kind of dumb stuff you sing when you're a teenager, man. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm I'm forty some years old, man. I'm not playing. I'm not I'm not gonna be playing Phantom Share, you know. Right. So yeah. Um. But yeah, it's you know, it, and and it's flattering. It's flattering. It's cool. And we did that. I think we initially broke up in like '96. So that and was about the time I was playing drums for probably Captain Feedback, maybe. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Cause yeah, cause you you was you and uh, Eric and Jerry. Yep, boom boom and Jerry. Yep. yep. And then uh, from there uh, I joined the I joined the Bump and Uglies. Yeah. And that was around because we played a show with you guys at the Miami. That's right. why I thought about it. I'm like, I yeah, think I was that's playing. right. That's right. Yep. 
and then uh, and it was funny because I didn't I, I didn't I knew you, but I didn't know who you were. Because we used, when we were when we were younger, Ab and us, we'd always talk about you know yeah the you know it was like the legend of GSV like <laughs> like you were like the, the local like skateboard legend, and it took a while for me to put two and two together. It was like holy crap, like wow, and I think uh, I think. Uh, we didn't really reconnect again until like some years later when yep. I started showing up at like transitions. Yep. And I started because uh, because around that time when I started doing uh, started doing bands initially, I kind of stopped skate skating um, skating as much and just was doing bands and you know working and um, especially around the run like the the bumping uglies. Like, well, you guys uh, in in my mind in my mind got pretty pretty big. We we were had a good run that 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 run like. Late nineties, early two thousands, and the whole wrestling thing, and that that was a lot. A lot of it had to do with that. Was the visual, the show, getting to see somebody, you know, thrown through a table on stage, and and I mean, don't get me wrong, I I think we had good songs. Yes, definitely. So, but a lot of that, a lot of that draw was was the wrestling connection, and it's funny now because like, uh, uh, you know, there's one of us, one of the guys in the band is a, a pro wrestler. He's he works the indie circuit. Uh, his name's Mysterious Movado. Uh, he's gone to Mexico. He's wrestled in Mexico. He's wrestled all over the country. He, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how... It, and occasionally, they, uh, him and his brother, uh, they'll do matches as the Bumpin' Uglies. No way. Yeah. So occasionally, if you look around, I know they were just in Wyandotte. They did a card in Wyandotte. A, 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 uh, what's the name of the tag team they wrestled? Uh, uh, the Halal Beefcake? Like these, like these two uh, like, uh, Middle Eastern like bodybuilder dudes. That's funny. But yeah, they wrestled uh, as the Bumpin' Uglies. And people come out to see. There's people that come out and support the Bump and Uglies, and are all big fans of them, but don't know about the band, and vice versa. It's it's fun. It's funny when the when the, and every once in a while the two the two the two worlds collide, and uh, and, and, and it's it's great, man. Yeah, because those shows were wild. You guys, yeah. uh, you put on a good show. Not only stage show, music was good as well, and and the crowd always got nuts. Yeah, always. oh totally. There was always like a got lot into of, it. A lot of stuff went down at some of those shows. Oh man. Yeah. yeah, I was at quite a few of those shows, yeah. and I usually stayed in the back because I'm a little guy, you know. I dance a little bit and then lot watch, of, watch. A lot of what... stuff went it made its way to the back too. Yeah, I, I tried to stay out of the way yeah. of the melee, but um, you know. And then after the bump and uglies, what what was uh what were you doing then? I was uh, um so it's it's funny how uh, every band I've I've been in was segueing to the next band. So for a while, I'm doing both. And then one will start petering out, and then and then and then and then on to the next one. In this case, it was Uglies, and then I, around the same time, Rob and I were uh, doing a uh, Bill Bondsman. Yeah. So Bill Bondsman, we did. Uh, I think we did about twelve years. Mm-hmm. Did about twelve years. That was a band that uh, I got to do the most uh, traveling with. Like we did a couple tours. Uh, uh, we did a tour of Europe. Got to put out some records in Europe. Got and let out- me specify for our crowd because uh, they don't know who Bill Bonds is. Uh, Bill Bonds is this legendary newscaster who is like iconic in Detroit. Yeah. And and half the time I think he was in the bag oh, on he the was. air. He was. And- half the time was, I feel he's being nice. <laughs> um, so the name of the band, the Bill Bondsman, is I would, pretty I would funny. Add, I would add infamous to that too. Like he had quite he had, a legend yeah, around him. He did. And uh, both like on TV and just around town, yeah. every every uh seems like every bar like in the city or in, in or especially in downtown and even probably in this area because I feel like uh, uh, XYZs are like based around is it not too far yeah so there's always like bartenders who have Bill Bond stories uh, I never got the chance to serve them but 
Tony, my singer, got a, had a phone conversation with him. Really? Yeah, he said the dude was intense. Really? Intense. Nice. He seemed like he was in the bag, but intense. And he'd leave, uh, leave phone messages and stuff. He left a phone message. Uh, we played a show at the Belmont, and um, one of the other bands put a picture of him on the flyer, and apparently he got wind of it and got got on the phone with the Belmont and left a message threatening to sue them and everything. It was nuts. But I like to think that he uh, probably woke up and forgot that he made that phone call. But, but the, uh, the Bill Bondsman, um, I mean, you you guys, yes, a long run, and always, again, brought the energy, good show, yeah. uh, solid music. I mean, you never mailed it in anytime I've seen you guys. I, I like to think that. I like to think that we uh, went went for it every time we played. And Dzak's awesome. Yeah, Dzak's great. Dzak's Dzak's a great bass player. Dzak's a better person. Yeah, uh, like, he's Rob. Like one of, again, he's like he's one of my one of my best friends. And see, Rob and I started jamming about a year ago, and I just don't have the time to dedicate. We were having a lot of fun. He brought up Leatherface and Jawbreaker. Yeah. We were doing some cool things. And Rob Dzak, another. Uh, I should get him in here. Another oh, he's iconic. Got, he's got stories, man. Just a great musician yeah. and a better person. Yeah, better person. And good storyteller. Yeah. yeah. Try to get him on here, man. He's got some. Just yeah, just the way he tells stories, man. It's uh. And he's like my size, yeah. and he's MMA fighter too. Yep. Like what? Uh, where do you come up with that? He's like five foot seven. He's I think we're six. We're about he's the same height. Five foot something, man. He's like yeah. And uh, just a great guy. But to be in a band with him for thirteen years and to be able to or or dude, so. if you're adding if you're adding uh, uglies, like that's uh, heck twenty twenty years. Yeah, yeah, twenty years we played together. And the tour. Tour, the, yeah. the world, really. Yeah. Um, the, any any one show, any one period stand out when you're with the Bill Bindsman? Oh man, the, the European tour was nuts. Like, uh, I remember we played a show in uh, it was in uh, Denmark. I can't remember what city, and um, everyone was partying afterwards. And the band we were with uh, was a Danish band. This band called Cola Freaks, and apparently, it's a thing in 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 Denmark. For, for everybody to just get naked and sing along and just dance around a fire and stuff. And we were like, like we were just watching, watching this go down and we're like getting hammered. And I, 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 I walked away from everything and I ended up passed out at some random stoop and I couldn't find my way. I had to find my way back. And then I thought I lost my money because I thought I had my money on me. And I went walking through the town and the town hadn't opened up all desperate and like hung over and like, oh shit, like what's going to happen here? And uh, turns out it was in my bag, but that and was so fun. Were you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Berlin was great. Berlin, we played um, played the squat. We we show up to the squat. It was it looked like it looked like the Thunderdome, and it had all these statues and all these people like gnarly mohawk, crusty punks and everything. But everyone showed up. There's some um. Uh, G8 uh, summit or something going on that all the punks showed up to pro- oh big political thing. yeah to, to to protest but they all came to the show afterwards how cool so it was us and there's these other two bands there's another American band the skate band called ANS and a band called the Rats who were from Sweden and we played this little place and everybody met all these punks from all around the world um, people from South America people from uh, you know Europe. Uh, you know, even the states and like Canada, it was really cool. It was just cool just to see that, see that you know, that uh, connection. Like you know, just just, just a, we're, we're, we all have something in common. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you can't pay for that. You no. couldn't predict that no. when you went there. You couldn't predict. No, I did something not. Like I did that. not think that something like that was going to happen. How rad! How yeah. rad! I mean, uh, you know, when you go on tour, you never really know. I mean, when we when Stalefish went out, we 
uh, one of our best shows was like, hey, what are you guys doing tomorrow? We have a day off. Well, you want to play El Paso? Okay. We drove to El Paso. One of the best shows we had. And it wasn't even on the schedule to do. Nice. You just aren't sure how no. it's going to go. And that's how you got to do it, man. Just got to hope for the best. If anything, just 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 dive on in, man. Yeah. Dive yeah. on in. So let's ho- get. Hope, hope the van doesn't break down. Right. Hope you don't kill each other. And yeah. 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 Um, Sometimes the gigs themselves are secondary. Most of the time, you know, with skateboard touring, uh, touring a little bit with the band, uh, I don't even think about half of the destinations because the stories are about getting there. Mm-hmm. It's not even about what we did when we got there. It's the crazy <laughs> road we took, sort of like this show. We talk about where you grew up and the crazy, crooked road to where you're at today. Mm-hmm. And tour is a lot like that. Yeah. Oh, totally. And you got to be, uh, you got to really relax into it and not expect too much, yep. you know? Just go with it. Yeah. Just go with it. Yeah. And so now, uh, did you go right from the Bill Bondsman to the Devious One? So Devious One started off as a, it was going to be, it was like a, just a side like, <coughs> mess around kind of band. Um, uh, Eric and I would talk about, you know, we should get a band together one of these days. And it was always, it was always bar talk. It was always, you know, half, half in the bag, just talking. You know, yeah, we should jam, we should jam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, one day I'm sitting there, um, as it goes back to wrestling, sitting there watching TV, and uh, I, had, I had, like, some old old wrestling on him, uh, Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji was on. And one of the commentators referred to him as the devious one. I'm like, wow, that sounds like it'd be a cool band name. So I go, I go, go on my computer, Google it, see if anything's... Right. It's like, no, there's nobody. How can this be? Eric, Eric, what are you doing this weekend? You want to jam? And then I, 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 I got to get a hold of Eric. I get a hold of uh, Dougie because I know Dougie will play in anything. Yeah. Um, and, and Dougie's the drummer, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Dougie's our drummer. And then uh, at the time it was uh, uh, Daniel, who was also in Bill Bondsman. And I, I knew Daniel wanted to – Daniel was a drummer in Bill Bondsman. And he wanted to – I knew he wanted to play uh, bass in a band. So I said, you, you want to jam? And, like – we just started, you know, playing covers and stuff, and then... Um, what kind of covers did you start with? We did, like, Buzzcocks and Forgotten Rebels and uh, Teenage Head. A lot, lot of stuff that sounds like what we sound like, you know? Because it kind of had a little bit of a, I don't know, a idea of what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it, it, you know, it morphs and everything. But um, so then we would just, you know, learning songs and start writing songs, and it was it got to be real fun. And then... Uh, I got, I got, uh, I, I got, I looked, I looked in the paper and saw Agent Orange was coming. And this was like months away. And here's the thing: like, every band I've been in has opened up for Agent Orange. At one time I even another. opened up for Agent Orange with Stalefish. Every band. I think you guys played that show too. Maybe it was the same show. Every, every band, uh, the Catfish opened up for Agent Orange. That's hilarious. In, in, uh, in like '95, we played at the at the Falcon Club. Yep. Um, and that was a show where uh, I had gotten into it. Prior to the show, I got into it with some uh, some Nazis, and I had some pepper spray on me, and I took the safety off in case I had to use it. Nothing came of it. I forgot to take take the safety off the pepper spray. So we're on stage, you know, ripping it up, jump in the air. I feel this hotness on my leg. I feel this, and, it, and, and my leg is burning up, right? And next thing you know. Everyone's eyes start watering and coughing, and the club clears out. And the Falcon Club was not a big place. No, no, so the club clears out. And uh, so it, it took a little bit for, the, for it to air out, and Dean, the owner, was so pissed off. 
and it took I never I never told him that it was me until like a few years ago. Like I was like, Dean, I gotta tell you, man, that night of Agent Orange, uh, that was me. That the my bad, you know. But yeah, but like uh, Catfish opened up, uh, the Bump and Uglies opened up for them. Uh, Bondsman did. Um, even my uh, my side band, uh, the my Mexican band. And I, I I was telling somebody about it earlier because we didn't bring him up yet, but uh, let's let's go right into that. Yeah. How did how did you come up with Spick of It All? Spick of It All. Okay, so back in and, the... and explain. Uh, yeah. Sick of It All. Sick explain. of It All is a hardcore band. So um, there was a time when I was going to hardcore shows, uh, Grounds Grounds Coffee House. Yeah. And it was uh, usually me and uh, this guy Tony Berrigan. Uh, Tony Tony's uh, a <coughs> drummer. Well known, he was in Park of Kings. He was in Telegraph. Oh, right on. Him and I were usually the only uh, only Mexicans at the shows, um, and one of us joked that yeah, we should start an all Mexican band and call it Spick of It All. This was like back in like ninety, probably ninety three, ninety four, and this didn't come to fruition until like nine two thousand six. Two thousand six, I got a wild hair up my ass. I saw a, we were booked to play a show. Ugly's already booked to play a show on Cinco de Mayo. And I had an idea where it would be just parody, like a parody band, just rewrite rewrite uh, lyrics to all these songs. I had a friend named Carlos and another friend um, named Rick, uh, Rick Hernandez. We all got together, learned these songs, did 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 that, did a run for a couple years. Just yeah. like and it was always sporadic. It was it wasn't like a regular thing, which was which which made it which made it more special. We play Cinco de Mayo. We. Open up for other bands. Open up for Agent Orange. Um, and uh, what are you gonna do when Agent Orange isn't a band anymore? So you can't have that I tie. Guess I, can't, I, can't, I can't. I can't start new bands. And Tony, you know, I think uh, if it's the same Tony I'm thinking of, and I think I do know him. I met him at Wayne State uh, right when I started playing drums. I met him at that time at Grounds okay. at different places, yeah. and he is a phenomenal drummer. He's a great drummer. Amazing. He's a great, he went to high school with my with my wife, and uh, apparently, like my my father in law. Used to like they go to like band like band recitals and stuff, and he would just go on and on about how great of a drummer he was. This is this is even before I knew him. Yeah, so, technically yeah. Yeah, amazing. He's great man. Like just effortlessly, he just plays so well. Yes. To this day, I, it, like I really would like to play with them again, like in some capacity. Yeah, speak of it all. When was the last show you guys played? We Will did you... a show about two. No, it was going on three years ago. Um, so special occasions. Yeah, maybe you know we'll we'll see. It's kind of run its course, but. And every everybody's got stuff to do too. Everybody, he's got you know he's got his he's got kids. He's got work. Um, I've got you know I've got work. I've got my kid. I've got the other bands. Um, yeah, everybody's got life. One of gets these days, in the yeah, way, yeah, life man. gets in the way, and one of these days, stars will align, man. You know, yeah, you, you know. So the so the devious ones, you guys just play this phenomenal show. You know how long you been together? Like five years. Five so? years. Um, how many records? Five years. We have an album, a tape, and four singles. Uh, we just got put on a. We're just on a comp that just came out. Cool. Uh, Lacey, um, from uh, Hillside Stranglers, mm-hmm. he just put out a comp called uh, Mutations from Mortar City. It's, it's like us. It's like a uh, Final Assault, uh, Detroit Four Four Two. Timmy's organ is. I was gonna say, did Timmy Lampin and do the cover art? Yeah, yeah, because it looks totally. It's Timmy all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the I saw the cover in Timmy Lampin, and he's another guy I need to get in here because skateboard music, yeah. all that. He's got his hands that guy and everything. It's like a crazy man. Oh my word, like he's so loose. Man. Yeah, it's, he's it's, so loose. He just looks like he's gonna 
like eat it at any point, but does it. But his life is like that. His yeah. style and yeah. everything that's he a, does. That's, that's a perfect uh, way to put it, yeah. From artwork to music yep. to everything. Timmy Lampinen is an awesome human being. But that's rad that Lacey put you guys on that comp. Oh, yeah. Because I've watched you uh, almost the evolution of the band. I've, I saw you guys early on. I got a, the whole every button I could. It's on my hats and things. And then I saw you guys in the last year. And it's just tightened up. The evolution, the the structure, everything. The state you in the stage presence each person in the band brings something different to the stage yeah yeah it's uh it's tight yeah it is as tightened up i think it's just gotten better at what we do and it's all dudes we're all dudes who've been in bands uh all our lives i mean like eric is in like the like uh west end and the murder city racks and um uh dougie's been in bands but you know Multigrain, Dead Heroes, the Dutons, uh, mm-hmm. the Pots. Scott was like a the, Scott's like the All Star man. Scott Scott played with Didi Ramon. No way. Yeah, he was in Chinese Dragons with Didi Ramon. He was in the Beer Whores, his SBLC, um, uh, ALD. Like it's like it's it's kind of like an All Star like an All Star lineup. Like, totally. Really, like I'm really lucky that I'm really lucky and grateful to to, to be in a band with these guys. And that's like and you I, just and named... I feel like they they, they 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 feel the same way too. And you just named like the last thirty years of the iconic punk bands of Detroit. Yeah. You got them all in one shot. Yeah, yeah. How and, rad. And the, and the fact that we're, you know, we we're still writing songs. We're still writing like you know, meaningful songs. Not 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 going back to old tricks or or writing or singing about how it used to be. Like, no, very yeah. relevant. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's and I, I take great pride in that. Definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, it, it it is cool. I didn't realize that each member of the band brought that to the yeah. table. Yeah, oh, totally. Totally, totally rad. Yeah. And now we have to talk a little bit about the Garden Bowl because the Garden Bowl has hosted some of the biggest. Uh, I mean, the Majestic Theater. I saw Fugazi there and was sitting on their gear on wow. stage. I mean, I've seen some that of them. That would have been, what, what like 90? 90, 91, well, yeah. somewhere in there. But um, they continue to host some of the biggest shows. And you have been a part of that staff for over 15 years. Yeah. How has that been for you? I mean, the Zanias take good care of me. It's an easy job. It's a great job. I get paid. I get, you know, I make bartender money. I, I, I get paid pretty well. I get to you know come and go when I need to. Uh, everybody there, you know, we're family. You know, and we're, and we're family in a way that you know. Sometimes we bicker. Sometimes we don't get along. Sometimes, sometimes we get mad at the, at, at 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 you know at mom and dad. But you know, we still stick up for each other. Um, I've you know I've gotten to meet a lot of great people. I've gotten to meet a lot of terrible people. I've gotten to see a lot of great bands. I've got to see a lot of terrible bands. You know. Um, best and worst. Do you yeah. have a? Do you have a the best band or? Uh, I got, I, it's got to be tough. I got the you know because there's so many. Yeah. And I, I was I, I was reading through here and I, I, I that 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 question caught my eye and I'm like, geez, I got to think of something. The one off the top of my head is when uh when Radio Birdman played there. Radio Bird. It was it was it was a stacked lineup. It was Radio Birdman from Australia. It was a uh, Mud Honey. Nice. It was uh the Dirt Bombs, and the opener was Easy Action. No way. Yeah. So Easy Action came on first and brought it, and you know Easy Action always brings it hard. I mean John John Brandon and Mark Arm on the same stage. Yeah, and then and then and then the Dirt Bombs brought it. They even brought they 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 you know they brought the A game. Then Mud Honey brought their A game, and then I remember because I worked that show, um, I saw Birdman like loading in, and they just looked like really old, feeble wizards, man. I was like these guys. Oh man, I really hope they're not they're not gonna suck. But they didn't, man. They killed it. How they, cool. they made they made they made the other three bands look like feeble. Really? And that's no small feat. 
Yeah, because I mean, Mar- uh, Mud Honey's full energy. Yep. Brandon is—I've never Brandon's seen anybody intense, intense, intense more man. intense than him to this day. Yeah, yeah. And he's been doing it since 1980. Yeah. And 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 or so even before, man. Like, yeah, he's been. Yeah, he's. But to to for you to say and, Radio and Birdman, Mick, Mick Collins, like the Dirt Bombs, Mick Collins is like top five, top three, like coolest guys on the planet. Cool. Cool, effortless, like rock rock and roller. So to see all those guys and then see Birdman just come and just boom, just lay them out, man. It was, oh, man. I'm trying to think some other shows. Uh, Gorilla Biscuits. Oh, yeah. Gorilla Biscuits in the theater. Yeah. Gorilla Biscuits in the theater. Uh, and, I mean, Jay Navarro's Black I did, Christmas I did, every year. Yep, every year, Black Christmas. is always It's always fun. You know, even, like, I don't, half the time, like, even the, this past year, aside from the Suicide Machines and the Lippies and Esham, most of the bands, like, they're, I, you know, I didn't really, like, they're not... They're not really up, you know, my cup of tea, or just not that huge of a fan of. I would have, I would have seen them, but I would have, I would, I would have went, I would have went regardless. It was an interesting lineup this year, and there was the one band, and I can't think. I think they're called the Goddamn Gallows. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And they blew me out of the water. Cool. That was the one band. Yeah, we played I, with them. I know those guys. Just the show. It's like it's got that that West Virginia kind of country twang going, mm-hmm. but it's punk rock, and they're so talented. Yeah. They got a girl in the band. I mean, it, it, the combination is interesting. Was it them, or was it a? There was a band. Was it, was it in the Garden Bowl? No, this was in the theater. Okay, it might have been the Gallows, and I don't remember if they played or not. Because I know. Uh, Courtney, uh, uh, he's got his other band played in the Garden Bowl. Okay. And uh, it's the same vibe. It's like uh, he's got that that band's pretty cool. They got like a real like dirty DIY like punk meets like Tom Waits kind of kind of vibe to him. But I yeah, might be really into cool. that. Yeah, because West worth out. Well, West Grand played in the Garden Bowl, and I wanted to see them, so I only saw one one song. West Grand are awesome. They're so good. They're I, so Golan good, has been a friend of mine since he came to yep. Michigan, and when I heard what they were doing. I was totally impressed, yeah. and I, I, they, they, yeah, they're amazing. They're great. Yeah, they des- definitely over delivered over the weekend. They're yeah, and and Kyle, all those guys are good just guy, good, good people. Good songwriters. Sean, I remember seeing Sean uh, as a kid. Man, Sean was in that band uh, Daddy Stitch. Oh, and uh, the only reason I remember because he had his jacket said Daddy Stitch on it. I don't think I ever saw Daddy Stitch, but I knew Sean because I would see him at shows, and uh, he's one of those dudes like I've known, I've I've known, she going on thirty years now. But and that's cool that you know him and I don't hang out all the time. But anytime I see him, it's like it's always always a good good you know good exchange. Good to see you. It's well, good to see him and it's good to see him playing in a band. We got about seven minutes left. This hour goes quick, Amato. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. really does. And and we covered a lot of different bands. But I really want to talk about what you're doing with the kids right now because I know nothing, nothing. I might even butcher the pronunciation. Krav Maga. Yeah, that's close. Krav okay. Maga. Okay, so, what is it, and, and how did you get into it, and now you're training kids. So talk in a nutshell. So I was, uh, I, uh, I, learned, I learned about it through uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Huberti from, uh, from Rubble Spies and Hellmouth. Okay. He was, a, he was an instructor years ago, uh, and he was uh, telling me about, about it, and I would start going to his house, and uh, lear- you know, he would give me some lessons here and there. Then I found out of a, a gym in uh, Wyandotte, a gym called The Fighting Fit, mm-hmm. and uh, they had classes there. So I started going there. This was about ten years ago. And now they're near Indian Lanes. Correct? They're right down the street. Yeah. Yep. They used to be right on Biddle. Yep. Um, so I started going there. I really, really, really liked it. It's like uh, what it is. It's a. Uh, I don't want to say martial art because it's not. There's no not real art up to it. It's just a self defense system. It's uh what the uh what they what they teach the uh what the IDF uh the Israeli Defense Force, 
what they what they learn. It's a uh, uh, a lot of aggression, a lot of uh, striking, a lot of some groundwork. It's a mishmash of different uh, styles of boxing, wrestling, judo, muay thai. Um, the only difference is it's 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 it's, it's basically meant to like. Um, uh, destroy your, you know, destroy your assailant or would be assailant or, you know, there's no, there's no rules, there's no Krav Maga contests or anything because it's, okay. it's based on like, you know, we 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 encourage like, you know, eye eye gouges, kicks to the groins, whatever whatever it takes to get home safe. So, uh, I've been I've been doing this for a long time and uh, over ten years, about about ten years, okay, about ten years, and uh, they, you know, recently in the past year, I started uh, helping out. With uh, within the instructors, and they uh, giving me a class, a, a, a kids class to teach. So I do once a week. There's another guy, a guy named Dan. He's the, the head instructor with the kids. So I do I do one class. He does two. I help him out with one of his classes. It's neat to like you know t- you know help these kids. Uh, you know, not you know not. I don't want to see a kid beat up another kid, but. If it comes down to it, they at least they can defend themselves. Well, and the discipline, you yeah. know, uh, to to actually take part in the class, yeah. the physical fitness of it. Oh yeah, I mean that's a lot of what is what we what we stress too is is being fit and being able to because in in you know in times of stress, you start you start sh- shutting down your adrenaline will freeze you up or you got to you know be fit, fit enough and, and have enough like you know mental mental toughness to to fight through that. I was so stoked when I read that, you know, when you sent over the bio and you're like, I'm working with kids now. Because I knew you were going to Fighting Fit and you'd posted up some things. And uh, and when you posted or when you sent that over, I'm like, that just made my day. That made my day. Because really, it's all about giving back. It yeah, really is. Yeah, it really is. And like uh, eventually I'll, I'll be training to be, be a, just an instructor. I, I, I'll fill in every once in a while with, with the adults. But eventually, I'll, I'll be I'll be teaching as adults as well. How cool! Yeah. How cool, man! And, and it and makes me it makes me feel good to be able to that I'm that I'm uh know know something well enough that that my that my like higher uppers have faith in me you know enough faith in me to uh to let me to let me you know teach too. Well, and I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit here because we just talked about you 30 years in the music. You know a lot about a lot of things, Amato. You can pass down a ton of knowledge from guitar, how to live on the road, how to, you know, if you get stuck in an alley, how to gouge somebody's eyes out if you have to. I mean, you bring a lot to the table, brother. Uh-huh. I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. Uh, well, but thank you. I want to thank you once again for coming in today because, you know, your schedule, I'm sure uh, it's hectic, especially with the devious ones. And uh, what's coming next for you guys? Well, we uh, we did that show. We're, uh, we've been writing and uh, demoing stuff like crazy. We're going to record on March. We're going to go forward towards another album. So that's going to work. That's going to, that's going to take up uh, most of the spring. Probably start playing shows again. It depends. Like if this, I don't. There's any. There's no plans to tour or anything for a while. But uh, you know, if the if the right offers come up, then especially locally, you know, you'll probably see us again. I'm sure. I'm sure I will. I got to bring up a random question too because a mutual friend of ours is at the Grammys. What do you think of Bill Cozy? Did you see that picture of him at the Grammys? I saw the picture. What was that about? What was he doing there? Do you uh, know? He was working. I don't. He does a lot of sound man work. I don't know exactly what it entailed, but. Um, it had to do for sound, man. Like, yeah, I mean, he's 
He's been work, he's been touring with Cheap Trick for years. Cheap Trick, Def yeah. Leppard. He did our first Stalefish record. Yeah. And dude is a, a legend in the punk he rock really world is. in Detroit. Yeah. And he posts a picture of him at the Grammys. Yeah. I'm like, what is Cozy doing at the Grammys? I got to ask Amato if he knows yeah, what was going know, on I, there. I don't know. I know about as much as you. Yeah, but yeah. that yeah, it was awesome to see because yeah. he is a good person he's as good, well. He's a good egg, like he would say. <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, and I want to ask about your boy and your family because is your boy into the Krav Maga? Yeah, he does. He does a he does a kids program. Um, he goes a couple days a week. He doesn't go the the the, the class I teach is a, is, a, is the beginners. He's in like intermediate with the kids. So he goes a couple times a week. Um, He's like a mini you, dude. Pretty much, pretty much. The pictures so, I some, see. Sometimes to my chagrin. But yeah. yeah. Um, no, <laughs> he's, he's like a chip off the block yeah. for sure. So yeah, he's like he's just started doing like some basketball program at school. He's, cool. You know, he's just doing just doing kid stuff. You know, hanging out with his friends. You pick up a guitar yet? No, we got him a drum set a couple of years ago, but he wasn't a he wasn't feeling it. No. So I but you know at the same time like I didn't. Get into wanting to play guitar until I was a teenager. Yeah, so. I was 18, yeah. 19 years old. So, well, we're, we're basically at the end of the show, but I want uh, the, our folks to know, you know, you can get the Devious One stuff. What's the easiest way for people to get records, merch, all that stuff? Uh, if you go directly uh, for, through us, go to uh, deviousones.bandcamp.com. You can order our records through there. Uh, a lot of the local shops have them. Um if you uh you know want to listen to us and you know we're on all the streaming on platforms you know your Spotify's your the devious ones no it's just devious ones just devious just ones devious ones okay yeah and um and people want to reach you maybe they want to send you some love uh social media to get to you yeah just find look me up look me up on social media um uh, Instagram is Amato Movado and uh uh Facebook is just on my regular name you can probably find me through uh. Through the Devious Ones uh, page as well. Right on. Well, maybe next time you can have the band in. We could play some songs in here. Yeah, I'd love that. We I'm could sure they do would it. Too. We could do it. Well, thank you again, Amato. Thank you for uh, having me. You're welcome back anytime, brother man. And thank you guys. You know, you just got insight into a Detroit punk rock legend, and you can only get it here on the drop in. I will put my group of friends up against anybody on the planet. I guarantee you, I, well, my opinion, I think I have the coolest friends in the world, and Amato is one of those. So thank you for spending an hour with us. And uh, just come back soon. You know, this isn't a dress rehearsal. We get one shot at living life, and it's your job to make the most of it. I am Gerald Valley. This is Amato Guadarrama, and you have just witnessed another episode of The Drop-In. Thank you.